Hi, folks, and welcome to the 26th edition of Weber's Whipping Post, coming from my office in Bourbon, Illinois. I'm Weber, and I'm delighted you took the time to listen to my podcast. This episode is entitled On Affirmative Action. Today, I'm going to talk about the Coke in the White House, Lindsey Graham's warmongering, Ben and Jerry's, the Green Bay Packers, Bidenomics, Elton John, and a few other noteworthy tidbits before winding up with my latest opinion. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Jeff and Brandon Chiro at Core Street Ford, now in their 40th year servicing Kankakee County. Stop by their showroom at 558 William Latham Drive in Bourbon A and check out that cool GT in the showroom. You can save up to $6,000 on a selection of Ford 150 pickups, which is what I drive. Core Street Ford is open Monday through Saturday, offering new car and truck sales, pre-owned autos, and vehicle servicing. You can call them at 815-348-7024 or check out their website at www.courtstreetford.com. Order the Ford of your dreams today. All right, which one of you left a blow in the White House? Come on, fess up. After all, we know it wasn't Hunter, don't we? Comically, even if it wasn't Hunter's, nearly every person in the country immediately thought it was when the news broke. Now that's popularity. He's close to being one of those people that can be known by just their first name, like Elvis or Madonna. Something illegally dumb happens in the Biden family, and you automatically think, Hunter. The warmongering Lindsey Graham is back at it again, pushing to allow Ukraine into NATO right in the middle of its war with Russia. He tweeted that there is overwhelming support in the Senate, and it's vital to the future of security in Europe and the world. Bull. It's exactly the wrong time to do this, and Senator Paul told him so in a return tweet. It would totally unhinge whatever's left in that demonic head of Putin's leading us to war and American kids fighting in the Ukraine. Lindsay, fresh off getting booed off a stage at a Trump rally, must be low on money and need some of that industrial war complex money floating around D.C. You can add Ben and Jerry's ice cream to the boycott list with Bud Light and Target. Evidently, living in Vermont and not able to get cable news about the fiascos on what it cost the business to go broke, a spokesperson for Ben and Jerry's tweeted some nonsense on July 4th for customers to commit to returning indigenous land and suggested starting with Mount Rushmore. Hey, Ben, wake up, Jerry, and you guys go first. Return the land your headquarters sits on. Chief Don Stevens of the Nogan Band of Kusuk Abernaki Nation said he'd take it if they reach out to him. Ben and Jerry, your ice cream will never take up space in my freezer. Stock is down $2.5 billion already. Well, some internet site called New Arena popped up on a Fox News feed predicting the win-loss schedules of every NFL team next year. They have my beloved Green Bay Packers going 4-13, and including two losses to the Bears. If there are any Bear fans out there that would like to take that bet, please reach out to me. Please. I say the Packers will win at least eight games, twice what New Arena says, and will split with the Bears at the very worst. Contrary to popular belief, the Packers are not reloading, and in fact, with the exception of the unknown at quarterback issue, have gotten better. 
The U.S. Geological Society is stating nearly half of the tap water in the U.S. is contaminated with chemicals. Inspecting a map of the contaminated areas reveals that most of the problem areas seem to be in and around the big cities where all the liberals live. So which came first, the bad tap weather affecting liberal noggins or liberal brains bringing more problems upon themselves with their tap water? Or maybe it's a ploy to get more government money. Not content with just a $15 billion loss due to their wokeness, Target decided to up the ante just a little when it decided not to sell best-selling author Mark Levin's new book, which is irritating conservatives. Not sure why, as they shouldn't be there in the first place, and no liberal is going to touch a Mark Levin book for fear of catching common sense. Target claims the reason is that the title of the book might offend some people. He named the book, The Democrat Party Hates America. Well, doesn't it? The Biden bunch rolled out a new word for his presidential campaign, Bidenomics. This is ironic, if not moronic, given that bankruptcy filings in the U.S. have spiked in 2023, as compared to last year at this time. Chapter 11 reorganization bankruptcies are up a whopping 68% for individuals and 55% for small businesses. Chapter 13 bankruptcies, allowing for repayment of a portion of the debt, are up 23%. Rising interest rates, inflation, and increased borrowing costs are primary culprits for the uptick in bankruptcies, according to Greg Morin at Epic Bankruptcy. This is also driving credit card debt. But get this. It said another factor for bankruptcies is the conclusion of government stimulus programs. This is mind-blowing. If a business was dependent on getting free money from the government long after COVID, that business shouldn't have been there in the first place. I suspect those people were pocketing that free money and then purposely bankrupted the company after the well went and dry. All these facts should indicate Bidenomics is not good for America. Robert Kennedy should be able to make a mockery out of that campaign slogan. Hey, the rock band Journey lost a founding member this past week, George Tickner who played rhythm guitar and wrote songs for their first three albums, passed away at age 76. Before forming Journey, Tickner was with the band Frumious Bandersnatch. I've never heard of the Frumious Bandersnatch band, and that little tidbit of information lends nothing to this obituary, other than I thought it was a cool name and fun to say, Frumious Bandersnatch. You try it. Ivan Dimitrov, you're a dumbass. The moron was a tourist in Rome and was visiting the 2,000-year-old Colosseum with his girlfriend, so the dumbass carved the initials Ivan and Haley into the wall. After the asinine act was filmed and came to light, his lawyers sent Roman officials a letter saying, I admit with the deepest embarrassment that only after what regrettably happened, I learned of the antiquity of the moment. Bull. He didn't write that apology. If he was able to use the word antiquity in a sentence, he sure as hell understands the wall's value to civilization. He was just showing off for a squeeze. You could face a fine of $5,000 or 15 days in jail. I hope he gets both. Ignorance should hurt. Climate activists must be in a tizzy right now. Last Thursday, the planet's temperature, and I quote, soared again to levels not seen in the modern record-keeping era marking the fourth straight day of record temperatures, unquote. Now let's unpack that statement. 
The earth is estimated to be four and a half billion years old. They've been keeping track of this type data since all the way back in 1979. That's right, 45 years. Yet, they're using words like alarming and likely the highest in 100,000 years. The previous high had been set in 2016, evidently meaning it had cooled down for seven years. Back in May, Louisiana Senator John Kennedy was interviewing Deputy Energy Secretary David Turk in a Senate Appropriations Subcommittee hearing. Kennedy asked Turk, If we spend $50 trillion in taxpayer money to become carbon neutral by 2050, how much is that is going to reduce the world temperature? Simple question. The $50 trillion number is a real estimate, by the way. Turk couldn't answer the question and tried to talk around answering, sort of like that twit Karine Jean-Pierre does daily, but Kennedy kept hammering him for an answer for the question. It never came. They don't friggin' know, folks. It's a damn money grab. So I don't care that it's hot. That's what nature does, and it doesn't care what we think or fear. It's fallacy for man to believe he can affect Mother Nature. I'm all for cleaning up pollution, such as the crap that's being thrown in the oceans and lakes or whatnot, or even cleaning up beside the road where some troglodyte has thrown his trash, but the answers to alternate energies are not here yet. Give them time within our capitalistic society and it will come. In the meantime, government needs to keep the hell out of it and out of our pocketbooks. Somebody by the name of Patty Mills, a professional basketball player, has been traded four times in the last 10 days. This has to be some kind of record. He started out with the Brooklyn Nets. They traded him to the Houston Rockets, who then traded him to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Six days later, the Thunder sent him to the Atlanta Hawks. And get this, there is talk Atlanta is going to trade him too. I'm not sure if this is a popularity contest or a hot potato nobody wants. There's going to be a presidential debate in Milwaukee on the 23rd of August. It's unknown if Trump will attend due to his large lead in the polls. If he does skip it, it would be just like him to schedule a rally somewhere close by just to try and upstage the event. Interestingly, at that time, the RNC will mandate that candidates sign a loyalty pledge to back the eventual nominee, which some who don't like Trump have been critical of. Of course, there will be no Democrat presidential debate between Biden and Kennedy, even if held in Biden's basement. Kennedy, bad voice and all, would make a mockery out of Biden. If there was any more mockery left to make from the doddering big guy. Did you hear he just told the world we're low on some of our supplies and munitions? The arrogance of the Democrat Party in present-day America is astonishing. The fact that the Hunter Biden exploits have not brought down the entire Biden administration is remarkable. The crater-like boil that is the Biden administration has made Watergate look like nothing more than a small pimple. Had that been a Trump kid making all those dumb and illegal mistakes, the Trump's name would be history. Even more astonishing is how our mainstream media covers up for Biden, making him every bit as complicit in the arrogance and perhaps our eventual downfall. We've known throughout history that most politicians will be corrupt, but we should have expected better from the media, who has as much to lose as we do. On that note, can anyone explain why Alex Soros, son of the socialistic billionaire George Soros, has been to see the big guy in the White House on at least 17 different occasions? He's also appeared in pictures with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, eight or nine times each. How can this be good for Americans?
Hey, perhaps we should start a GoFundMe page for John Deming of Lake Worth Beach, Florida. Seems he caught another man in bed with his wife, so he beat the intruder with a baseball bat. The victim, a traveling CT technologist from Arizona, survived the beating. Deming is now charged with attempted murder, aggravated battery, and burglary. I don't understand the burglary charge. I wonder if the traveling Romeo is married, and if so, how he's going to explain his injuries. I'm going to tell you about this, and perhaps one of you can explain it back to me. Researchers with the James Webb Space Telescope have discovered the most distant, active, supermassive black hole ever seen. Okay, I understood that last part, but here's the rest of the story. Dale Kosevsky said the fellow scientists knew there must be lower mass black holes, whatever the hell those are, in the early universe. This discovery leads them to believe lower mass black holes are everywhere waiting to be discovered. Huh? How about telling us what is on the other side of one of them, their black holes? That's what I'd like to know. To make this even more complicated, this particular black hole is notable for how little it weighs. How the hell can they weigh a black hole, and what does one do once they know what a black hole weighs? Heck, it only weighs about 9 million solar masses, which sounds pretty heavy to this kid from Chabance. That information and six bucks will get you a grande latte from Starbucks. Have you ever heard of the babushka lady? Me neither. Evidently, this woman was seen using a video recorder at the time John Kennedy was assassinated. The problem is nobody can identify her, and the FBI can't find her. Yeah, right. I was unable to ascertain why they called her the babushka lady either. The 76-year-old Elton John played his last show in Stockholm, Sweden last Saturday night. He said that he is officially retired from tours now after stating he planned on retirement in 2018 after his last tour. But COVID canceled so many shows, he decided to stay on. Born Reginald Kenneth Dwight in 1947, he has been one of the most successful musicians in the history of music. He has more than 50 top 40 hits, including nine number ones and seven consecutive number one albums, making him $265 million in the process. I can't say that I'm a big Elton John fan, although his first hit, Your Song, was always a favorite of mine. I saw him perform once in Vegas, although I slept through most of it due to a bad cold and too much hooch. My bride loved the show and told me about it afterwards. It was considered an adult show, and I remember a giant inflatable boob floating across the stage, but that's about it. I kid you not. Hey, this episode came to you from the George Ryan Jr. Insurance Company. You can depend on George Ryan's insurance company for nearly all your insurance needs and in many different states. Call the folks at Ryan's Insurance at 815-936-0075 for a quote today. That's 815-936-0075. Or look them up at the website at www grinsure.com. Now to my recent commentary on affirmative action. The affirmative action decision by the Supreme Court striking down racial consideration policies at Harvard and the University of North Carolina spurred me into looking at those universities a little closer. I was not a fan of affirmative action and was satisfied the court removed it. But the biggest thing learned is that back in 1975, when I was considering what to do with my life, I should have set my sights for an executive 
or head coach position into higher education or running any one of their enormous endowment programs. A review of university endowment programs was eye-opening. Private higher education endowments are among the richest entities in the world with a combined $854.11 billion. Harvard sits at the top of that heap at $53.2 billion. The average endowment of all universities is over a billion dollars. Long story short, these universities that are shunning your kid for admission or charging an arm and a leg for tuition are sitting on a ton of money. Worse, up until 2017, that money was tax-free. That year, a 1.4% federal endowment tax was enacted, which was criticized by the education elites. They claimed a tax-funded tax breaks for the wealthy and would raise tuition rates for underprivileged students. I don't know if the wealthy experienced tax breaks due to this piece of legislation, but it certainly was time taxes were paid on these enormous piles of money. It will cost a kid about $60,000 per year to attend Harvard. They have roughly 30,000 students and another 10,000 online. Now, I didn't go to Harvard, so my math might be a little simple, but it would appear they are collecting at least $2 billion yearly just in student fees. Then they boast of having over 30,000 donors and alumni who was also sending them money every year, but I was unable to find the amount. They get millions from the government for work-study programs, too. You see where all this is going? Harvard collects a mountain of money every year. And Harvard is very generous paying executives and professors, too. The outgoing president of Harvard was paid over $4 million. The new president is paid around $570,000 yearly, and the provost is in for a million a year. Four other executives were paid over a half a million dollars annually. There were two professors who were paid $1.5 million just to go away. But these salaries pale in comparison to the blokes that oversee the bloated endowments. With all that money piled up, these guys can pay themselves more lavishly. In 2019, CEO N.P. Narvaker was paid $9.3 million. He made $6.65 million last year and $8.75 million the year before. Five other executives made between $5 and $6 million. Similarly, Jonathan King oversees North Carolina's $10 billion endowment and made a salary of $2.2 million. Ten other people in the group made over $7 million in combined salaries. But even these folks could gripe about the salaries college football coaches are making, such as Nick Saban at Alabama and his $11.7 million yearly salary. The average state university football coach in 2022 made $1.75 million. That's just one sport of many. Folks, perhaps the student loan debt issue, now at $1.75 trillion, wouldn't be a national crisis if so much money wasn't piling up at colleges for a select few to win the paycheck lottery. I was not a fan of affirmative action and was satisfied the court removed it, but something else I found when looking into these institutions was that possibly they wouldn't have had SCOTUS involvement had they not admitted so many international students. American kids of any stripe with above average test scores should be admitted before some kid from Saudi Arabia whose dad has gazillions of dollars due to our government energy policies. We may be educating people who will one day beat our heads in. Harvard, for example, 
has 6,963 international students, almost as many as their Asian, Hispanic, and Black population combined. North Carolina is not as bad with 1,848 international students, but that is over 1,800 spots that could have gone to American kids. Even 91% Black Grambling University has more international students than other racial groups. I'm not advocating banning international kids, but the amount should be much smaller than what they are if American kids have earned a spot. If the admissions percentages by race at other schools are similar to Harvard and North Carolina, I was surprised to see that even with the affirmative action policies formally in place, whites have not been discriminated. The white population at Harvard is 43%, well over other American minorities, and North Carolina was 63% white, more than the other minorities combined. My research led me to believe that there's too much money and too many international kids at our universities. But I'm not Harvard educated. That's all I got for you, folks. If you like this podcast, please tell others. Check out my blog at www.weberswhippingpost.com. Click on the info for my soon-to-be-released book, Roll Me Away. Thanks, Elaine, for listening. Bye now.